Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai. And a bit of owner power to start off with the Rooney's reversal. It got a lot of um, newsprint, this. Did it deserve that much newsprint? I'm not sure, Maddie Flail. Um, well, I think if you consider the amount of money that they've invested in the sport in recent years, if you've got a big, big owner saying, actually, we're not happy with welfare standards, that's going to ring massive, massive alarm bells. Um, and it's going to look horrific. You know, we speak a lot about public perception and the outside world. And if some of the biggest owners in racing don't want to run their horses at the biggest show, that is a big deal. Um, so in a way, it was quite refreshing that they came forward and said, we're not happy and, you know, the rest of it. And it seems to have reached a, a really, you know, a great conclusion because they've changed their minds. But um, it's definitely food for thought. And, um, yeah, I mean, we've just got to hopefully, you know, things will continue in this way. And, and we're very happy that Cheltenham have made those changes. And they did release a statement, Harry, as well, saying these these changes have been made. We're happy to run our horses there. Yeah. Um, it's one I've kind of followed but not ever had a massively strong opinion on if owners want to run their horses at a certain place and don't, then that's that's their right to. We've certainly never had an issue with Cheltenham at all. Mm. I think the point is, the, the key point that Maddie made, Rafe, isn't it, that if if owners don't want to run a horses at a certain race course and they hint that it's for welfare reasons, then it, it becomes a completely different issue. So simply saying, oh, we don't really fancy runners at Cheltenham. Yeah, I think, I think I'm slightly with you. It's a bit of a non-news story, my view. You know, I think the... the, the uh, well, I, I just threw that out there. And yeah. I was hoping that I'd write that. No, no, but I, I, I felt, you know, I've trained for Paul and Claire. They're, very, they're a pleasure to deal with. The point is that, you know, owners run their horses where they want to. If they don't want to run their horses there, that's up to them. I think the, the perception issue is overplayed myself. OK, well, Paul and Claire Rooney, they will be running horses now at, uh, at Cheltenham, including, I'm sure, a few horses at the Cheltenham Festival, and they came to a, it seems to be an amicable solution with Cheltenham earlier on in the week. Let's talk about the ground, because it is still quick by jump racing standards. A beautiful, beautiful spring day yesterday at Kempton, uh, Harry. Uh, you, you guys are having loads of winners on, on decent ground everywhere, so it's obviously not impinging on you too much, but it is clearly impinging on quite a lot of people, particularly in Ireland. Yeah, uh, it has been obviously a unseasonably dry winter. Um, Paul is always of the opinion he's not worried about running horses on good ground. He thinks that so long as that they're fit and in really good condition, that good ground won't worry them. Um, we've never been ones to run horses on desperately heavy ground because Paul thinks you can do as much damage on that ground as you can um, on quick ground. Um, having said that, we w we do need a little bit of rain going forward because um, Cheltenham is fast approaching now, and that seems to drain extremely well so over the next couple of weeks I do hope it rains. The time of year is just getting a little bit warmer and warmer so it will, it will dry out quicker. Um, Maddie, what's your view on this? Um, I have quite a strong view on it, I've got to be careful how I word it but you know to you me good ground should be safe ground mm. for every horse to run on and it gets frustrating as a racing fan as well when trainers are going on oh, we don't want to risk our horse on this ground well that's very sort of dodgy language to be using because if you don't want to risk your horse on good ground, which should be safe for everyone at one time of the year, why are you then happy to run them on perceived good ground at March in, in, at the festival? You know, that, it just doesn't quite sit right with me, and I'm, I'm sort of 
you know, it's great when you've got trainers like Paul that are, are willing to run horses on ground like that, because if it isn't safe and it is a perceived risk, why is, uh, should anyone be running on it? I, I'm with you on this. I, I, Rafe, I, I, I agree with Maddie. If somebody says that they don't want to risk a horse on ground X because it's a welfare issue, then they shouldn't be happy to run that horse X just because they're running for 50 grand more three weeks down the track. I, I, I agree with both of you. Um, you know, everybody has soft ground, good ground, fast ground horses. You know, get on with it. You know, you, your horse likes that ground, run it on that ground. I, I'm, you know, you know, we had this last year and when, 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 uh, when we had that ex extended period of dry weather, you know, tracks do a good job, run the horse, your horses at the tracks that do a good mm. job and get on with it. Now, this moves us on to presenting Percy, who didn't run this week because the ground was considered to be a little on the lively side. Now, this is a horse who has won on lively ground at Cheltenham in the past, uh, albeit in a hurdle race. It was very soft when he won the RSA last year. Uh, we are reheating last week's pie a little bit here, Maddie, because Lee was brilliant on presenting Percy and the, and the trainer last week mm -hmm. when he was sitting in the seat you're in now. But this is more about the extent to which you can have faith in this horse as a Gold Cup favourite with the preparation that he's had, when he appears to have had no injury or anything like that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Last year... The preparation he had was unconventional because he had so many runs. He ran over hurdles, he ran in a three-mile-five handicap over fences, and he still absolutely blew the field in the RSA. This year, it's totally different in that we've only seen him, you know, in the Galmoy huddle where he was really impressive. But again, personally, I just find it very frustrating that it's all very hush-hush and very, very quiet. I mean, you've got the Gold Cup favourite who's not yet run over fences. That has to be a concern. And while I don't doubt they can get him there in excellent condition, it, it has to be a bit of a worry, doesn't it? Well, there's more than one way to, to skin a cat. But for you as the um, people who harbour the chief danger to presenting Percy, or maybe vice versa in the, in the Gold Cup, uh, you must be quite pleased with presenting Percy's preparation. Uh, not sure. I don't know whether pleased or what to think, really. It's um, it's a bizarre one in the sense that it's just not really been done that much before. Um, he was obviously very, very good this season when we did see him. Would I mean, I can only talk on kind of experience from what I know from Paul, and Paul would definitely want them to run over fences in that season. Um, what we've seen on him actually in Cheltenham over fences, he was very, very good last year, but it's a long time to have not run over fences. Um, so yeah, a, kind of an interesting one. And is it the absolute difference between people for whom that one race is everything and people for whom you look at a whole season as a, as a, as a way of training horses? That's presenting Percy, who um, will not have another run before the Gold Cup, for which he is currently the market leader. Uh, this is point-to-point prices, horses at the Cheltenham Boutique Sale, as they like to call them, uh, this week, making up to £410,000 race Beckett for a jumper. 410 grand, And he wasn't the only one either. It's madness, isn't it? Um, it's market forces, isn't it, Nick? You know, that's what the market says the horses are worth. That's what they're worth. Um, you know, it's a sign that uh, a there's plenty of people wanting to get get in and stay in the game, mm -hmm. and that's good news. I don't, you know, uh, it's, a, it's a lot of money, obviously, but you know, that's what the horse is worth. That's what he's worth. I mean, if you, somebody sends sends you a, a half million pound yearly, that's a that's a fair dollar per pressure, even for a high-profile flat yard. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, we don't have too many of them. Um, so yes, it is. I, I look, looking at it like that, um, I hope they get a return. Um, you've had a, a few of these huge 
price horses through your uh, hands, Harry. Are you are you surprised by the amount people are willing to to pay for, for jumpers, where essentially your your return is going to be negligible? Well, I think at the moment the results are coming in the sense that a lot of very good horses in training at the moment are Irish point to pointers, mm -hmm. um, and while that trend continues, I believe that those prices will. Um, continue to sustain because if people are getting results on the race courses um, and there's Cheltenham winners that are coming out of Irish point-to-pointing fields then those prices are going to stay where they are. Is it a sign of the strength of national hunt racing or is it more likely to frighten off some of the smaller owners? Yeah it's tough isn't it? I mean you look at Blackline sold of course for, for an awful lot of mm. money for a horse who's done most of his career already um, as someone who, you know, I'd love to be able to breed one of my own horses one day I'll bore people forever talking about that but it, you know, it's sort of it, it's a bit sad, isn't it how it's monopolising all of this, you know, you want more of the younger sort of newer owners to come in and not have to spend a fortune to, to get results but that's just the way it's going, I'm afraid uh, I don't even know why Brexit's on this list Ah, yes I do it's about the movement of horses between Ireland, France and, uh, and Great Britain. Now, Rafe, you have opined on Brexit before. You are something of a Brexiteer. So how do you stand with um, the movement of these horses and how difficult it might be after March the 29th if we crash out without a deal? I think it'll be storming a teacup. I think the whole thing is, uh, you know, um, I am, you're right, um, European Union has proven not to work, so I'm definitely out. I can't, couldn't vote for something that didn't work. And uh, although I've read this, um, I'm sure it'll run smoothly. And uh, it is no, it, it is in nobody's interest, France, Ireland, or Ireland, to uh, make the movement of horses difficult. And it won't be, in my opinion. So you just think that the countries will take a pragmatic approach? Of course. But it's one thing about you know, having an agreement on, on, on health and paperwork. The other issue is customs. And if we crash out of the customs union, how much of a problem is that going to be? I was listening to radio, yesterday, uh, radio last night coming back from somewhere and uh, somebody pointed out that if you, want to, if you want to get into France, for example, on the ferry, at certain times of day when it's best to travel and we'll just work our way around it. So you're genuinely not worried? Not at all. Maddie? Well, it's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, transporting horses, we saw with the flu, is such a big, big part of racing these days, you know, whether it be internationally or, or just within the country. And, and I think you have to be a bit concerned, don't you? But we've just got to wait and, and see how it plays out. But... I'm not sure if I'd be as uh, sort of confident as Rafe that everything's going to work out fine. Well, it's very important with the flat season around the corner, and particularly the, the transporting of uh, so many yearlings as well and broodmares around the, uh, the three countries. Now, surname's rating, Harry. He's rated officially the best steeplechaser in, in training. His rating exceeds that of Altior. Um, there must have been a few chuckles about that down at Ditchett, haven't there? Um, I almost think when a horse gets to grade one standard like he has, ratings sort of become... Uh, irrelevant because then you know surname is now not going to run in a handicap he looked to beat three pretty solid yardsticks and waiting patiently Fox Norton and um, Politolog um, and beat them very convincingly so he was always going to take quite a big hike um, I think the eyebrows have been raised because it's three pound higher than mm. as you said Altior um, and so it's it's an interesting one in that I, I guess the reason for that is because um, 
certainly Altior in his last couple of races hasn't had to race the um, opposition that he would be, I'm sure, capable of beating um, because of his superiority. Right. So I guess it's um, maybe a case of this season he's not been able to show quite how brilliant he is just because people are saying, well, if he's that good, then we're not going to take him on. And the point about ratings, Rafe, is that they are supposed to be reflective of performance, and Cyrano's performance last week was the best performance we've seen by a chaser this season. End of story. Yeah, he was mortally impressive, wasn't he? So um, no doubt he deserves it. You just leave, you have to leave sentiment behind in these circumstances, don't you? It's not a, it's not one for the how moist your mm. hanky is when a horse wins. Is it? It, it, yeah. is, it is supposed to be a definitive impression of what they've achieved. Yeah, I'm, I'm guilty of being quite sentimental, but at the same time, it makes perfect sense. Why wouldn't he be? Um, mm. As Harry said, Alfio's not had to race necessarily in his last couple of runs to what he is capable of. Um, so I don't really see how anyone could argue with it. Maybe they'll get a chance to have a race at Sandown at the end of the season so and we'll be able to find out Let's hope so, would you like to, to cut him back to, to two miles in that race? It's certainly something Paul and Johnny will discuss um, if the grain was good then certainly not but if it came up soft then I don't think Paul or Johnny would be afraid of it he, he wants to have a crack at Altior, doesn't he? I think Paul's competitive side is <laughs> got most definitely he's got, I bet he's, I bet he's But it would have to be the right conditions for yeah. I mean. Um and while well, racecourse fighting again, this was dealt with here last week. But it, it, the story has developed a little, and, and it's developed because there's so much footage out there of this taking place that it, it, it sort of s snowballs, and, and people have more and more views on it. And yeah, I was watching a clip of, of Matt Chapman on ITV yesterday saying they just basically need to get more police in and 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 and, and get these people policed more effectively. But it's expensive policing these racecourses um, to the extent that they need to, which is. Just, how do, we, how do we stop these brawls happening at all times of the year, it seems? Well, I think they need to employ a, 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 a bigger and stronger sort of race course security. Well, literally, literally bigger yeah. and stronger. Yeah, definitely. And there needs to be, you know, they need to show a bit of muscle, in my view, and that, then perhaps it won't happen. Doesn't the culture just need to change, though? I mean, I, that's definitely that's like, saying, that's like saying the bigger the bouncers outside your nightclub, the less trouble you're going to have in there. And well, I, don't, I think we know that's just not true. Mm. So I think, you know, I mean, the, the, definitely, there's, there's far too much, you know, they're free to drink anywhere now. And I think that, that is part of the problem. You know, you, you can, you know, you, we all can all remember going or, or think of times when we've gone to, to race course and you can't even stand on the stand because there's rows of people sitting on the steps. Or the Steffings drinking, you know, Windsor is a good example. So I, I, I'm, you know, I'm. Uh, there has to be a culture change. I agree. The one terrifying thing about that Haydock video, Maddie, was that quite often you've seen like isolated pockets of fighting, sort of mm. in enclosures or whatever. But this is right by the winning post, right in front of the yeah. of the grandstand, and they when they when they storm across the lawn, they knock a poor guy who's probably north of 65 mm. out of, off his bench and he's yeah. been I mean, he was minding his own business. Yeah. I agree with, I think what Matt said was really true in that if it's not possible to employ a bigger security sort of force, make it more effective, put people in different locations and really try and treat this seriously. There's a lot being done after the event, but not beforehand. You need to put people in place so it's a deterrent rather than saying, oh, we don't want to face the consequences afterwards. Well, those were this week's talking points. Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albastiet Cruel Dubai.